1: Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, cast, Pride to Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, you know where to find us. Pride of Detroit on threads as well. Are we still doing threads? People still posting over there? Maybe. Where's my chronological timeline? Anyway, welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast cast and it's time. You've had a long summer. You're in, you're enduring the heat right now as we speak but the but the baseball just had their all-star break and it came and went because it means that football's back. I like to think of the, the return of football as like stations of the cross. You have to go through quite a few of them and we've hit to the first one training camp. We are in our preview. Lions rookies report on Wednesday. Full rosters over the weekend. Oh, it feels so good i'm chris perfett the adequate host at chris perfett on twitter and threads p-e-r-f-e-t-t i I don't know how much longer i'm gonna give out the threads i'll be honest i think everyone's kind of backslid to twitter which is a great time to bring in this man who was taking a little bit of a break from twitter and is now back jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader the man who runs pride at detroit online how are we doing jeremy
2: I am fantastic. I feel like my batteries are recharged and uh things are really picking up in, in a hurry here. First first practice may or may not be Sunday. And so I'm I'm ready to fire up my notebook and uh we got plenty of players notebook. and storylines to talk about going into Sunday. So uh I'm I'm ready to get going here.
1: Look at us. We got brand new microphones and everything too. We've we've had the chance to glow up. You have some new body art as well that we will show off in a break here, maybe. Yeah. Paying maybe. off one of our long-awaited November rewards for people
2: if, and to uh, help us if, if the live audience uh behaves you know gotta behaves. gotta reward good behavior first yes
1: and then also we gotta make sure we we abide by twitch rules on nudity uh also true. yeah more uh, by the way Ryan Matthews could not make it uh he's up in the north right now beating the heat to help us continue our training camp review is Morgan Cannon Cannon three one three. Uh, One of the hosts of the brand new Deep Dish Dives mini podcast are putting out episode two. I forgot to make a post about this episode two just hit feeds on Monday morning where Morgan and Hamza debate black jerseys to Jeremy's chagrin. Hello, Morgan.
3: What up, everybody? I just want to say that this is an anti black jerseys podcast.
1: (laughs) Yes, Morgan was against them. Yes.
3: Cool, 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 cool.
1: How are we doing? You staying cool?
3: Not really, man. I turned off my fan just for, you know, audio quality purposes and I'm already sweating. But you know what? That's why we do it. We do it because we love it.
1: Blood, sweat and tears. Blood, sweat and tears for the training camp. It's here, guys. Training camp is here. It's the first. It's not actually football. It's just us talking for several weeks about guys in great shape and like eyeballing tape and wondering what it all means and hoping nobody gets effing hurt.
2: It's some football. It's It's some it's, it resembles football, certainly more than we've seen in the past, I don't know, six months. Are you talking about the USFL? No, that's not football at all. That doesn't resemble anything. CFL? Come on. Did you,
3: did you go to one of those games, Jeremy? No. You said you were going to? Okay. You Absolutely. said you were going to. I thought about,
2: about, about it, and then, you know, you you didn't want to be made that late, they made that late playoff run, and I'm just like, all right, this 3-7 and seven team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs or whatever they were. four and six big news before we start is uh jameer
1: gibbs signed his rookie contract on monday so that just leaves brian branch left to sign not too much to add there jeremy uh these are rookie contracts so it's not exactly like we're going to get like some like scandalous details out of this
2: no and and uh, people have kind of been wringing their hands a little bit about this because there's two guys that left OTAs without signing their rookie deals. One being, like you said, Jameer Gibbs, the other being Brian branch. And I've, I've been telling people for the past month not to worry about it. Cause it's just, it's going to happen with the new CBA. There's not a ton of negotiating needed. Obviously there is a little bit that goes on, especially with those second round picks, which is why Brian branch hasn't signed yet. But considering rookies are showing up on Wednesday, probably a good bet by around Wednesday, Brian branch will sign his and all will be forgotten. I feel like we
1: did this a past year too where we had a every bit of year.
2: a panic. Yeah, yeah, it every feels year. like every year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more common than people think. We have to remind people that it's common. These sometimes rookie contracts just take a while. Yep. Where shall we start on training camp? Um, where shall we start, Jeremy? This is your time of the year. Yeah. And I I guess where I want to start is a question from me to you. And I know the easy answer is pads, but what are we going to see that we really like training camp is so important, but at the same time, I feel like we've had a whole summer of mini camps of OTAs. And I just want to know coming into this besides the pads, what, what are we going to see that we could not see in OTAs and mini camps?
2: Well, there's, there's a lot of things like obviously pads and contact are, are number one and and important too, right? Because you can't really evaluate offensive line play. You can't evaluate defensive line play. You can't really evaluate linebackers and things like that without contact. Um, but I think the second thing, and this is maybe one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is one-on-ones. You can't do one-on-ones during OTAs. You can't do one-on-ones during mini camp and my goodness, there are going to be some really, really fun one-on-ones. There were last year, right? Like, we were all looking at Aiden Hutchinson versus Panay Sewell. Guess what? We're getting more of that this year. This, But, like, the number one thing that I'm excited for with when it comes to one-on-ones, and I've been saying it for a while now, Amon Ra, St. Brown versus C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Give me that in my eyeballs every single day. Start every single practice with just those two on the field. And both see of them, them go with, at both because. of them
1: with chips on their shoulders from the Madden rating. No <laughs> that's, less.
2: Right. that's right. um so yeah, i'm I'm like the one on ones are always the most fun. A lot of times they're the most telling too. like I know that's not exactly football, but a, a really good way to see who's kind of sticking out when it comes to offensive versus defensive line play. Those are, I think everybody's favorite chills is watching the offensive and defensive line go at each other. Um there are a lot of new parts on both sides uh when it when it comes to that. and so i'm I'm looking forward to those one on ones more than maybe anything else.
3: Yeah, I'm right there. Like, you took it out of my mouth with uh, Amon Ra versus uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. That's going to be must-see TV, at least in, as far as Allen Alan Park is concerned. Ocho Cinco did say he was going to get C.J. sorted <laughs> out with his rating, though, so maybe he won't be so salty by then. Um, the position battles are going to be fun, like seeing more of Hutch versus Panay, but also, like, it'll be a little bit, you know, further into training camp, but once the offense and defense get really going, you know, like, how's the secondary going to hold up? Cause JMO is going to be able to practice for a while um, throughout camp. Right. And then he has to take those weeks off. Um, so yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how the secondary looks, how the whole offensive line looks against this new look uh, defensive line, you know, so I'm excited to see all of that.
1: What I want to ask. And I think the thing I'm most excited about for this is just really, and I know we've had rookie mini camps and everything, but I, I think this is part of me like checking the vibes. And I maybe this is just me sitting here after we've done our roster rankings a little bit. And I feel like to local fans and to local us, man, we've put a lot on these rookies to carry parts of this offense going forward, to, 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 burgeon up, to burden up this offense, to give it more of a breath, be it Jameer Gibbs. We've all been rating very highly in spite of the fact that he's a rookie running back, that we just don't know what he's going to do yet, to... Someone like, say, Antoine Green, who's like banging at the bottom of the roster to a whole brand new tight ends look with Sam Laporta at the top, uh, you know, supplanting Brock Brock Wright and Shane Zylstra. And I think that's always been something that's been missing for the national conversation about the Lions. But at the same time, to play a little bit of devil's advocate, I can't really fault them because rookies are a really hard thing to do mark to market on. I can't say that these guys are just going to be awesome and get you and Jameer Gibbs is going to go off for 1500 yards scrimmage just because we've all been hyped up on him as well. He's a rookie. He's extremely talented. We've seen those flashes so far in the mini camps and and organized team activities, but he's a rookie. That's a really hard thing to put a lot of trust into and hopefully training camp when he gets in there with pads, with everyone else, with the full drills, maybe we start to see that solidify. I don't think that'll ever change the image. It feels like a lot of national media are starting to be like, Hey, the Packers are They're they're starting to feel what we were talking about earlier in the year. Jeremy, the Packers are still a good team. I don't think, I don't think I buy into their crap about how Jordan love is good, but there's starting to be some doubt this division is for the Lions. And I think a lot of that is because this team right now has introduced a lot of rookies on offense, and I really need to see more of it. And here we are at camp. I really want to see it with Laporta and especially with Jameer Gibbs.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to remember where we left this team too, right? We left this team where the defense was was showing up. The secondary was stunting all over the offense. And so I think there is at least a, a not, not a huge concern, but a, like, okay, how is the offense going to respond now? Now that, And this is, again, maybe something that we see in training camp that we didn't get to see in OTAs is now they're a little bit deeper into the playbook. Now, you know, when we saw the rookies out there in OTAs, that was their first time playing with NFL-level talent next to them. And so now they've had a month to, you know, mentally digest what happened, physically get ready. Um, you know, it, the offense, like I think the story of the only thing that in my mind can really derail this Lions season is is offensive regression and it's something we've, we've brushed up as, aside and thought, you know, mate, like everyone is assuming, Hey, we improve the running back room with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Well, theoretically on paper, that is true, but that's not always on paper. Mm. Doesn't always translate to on field. And so we need to start to see that. Right. And listen, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to go out there next week and and, and see the 2021 Lions training camp offense, which was just awful from the get go, and you knew it was going to be bad, and and then they responded in twenty twenty two. It's it could very well be in the middle of that, and and some of that might not be the offense regressing. Some of it might just be the defense getting better. But you want to see them be competitive because I think even if the defense is getting better there's not a lot of people in Detroit that think this is going to be a top 10 offense. And so you don't want to see the off uh, defense. I should say, you don't want to see the offense struggle against a non top 10 defense. So I think, I think the rookies have a lot to prove. I think Jared Goff has a lot to prove. Jamison Williams has a lot to prove. Um, It's, it's a fascinating thing with the offense because, because like I said, like, I, I feel like that's just the one, the one thing that we need to make sure isn't taking a significant step back. I just feel like
1: we got so gassed up after the Packers victory and rightly so that was a very big thing to knock those assholes out of the playoffs. But I think we, we got so excited about that, that we've kind of let that those vibes continue with us through, through this off season when there was a lot of real stuff to be fixed up. And I think lions have done a good job at trying to fix up some of those things. But again, a lot of that still has to be put into practice. It's a lot of new parts to this to this entire roster that really have to go out there and just see how they're all going to gel together. Morgan, like I, I have yet to see CJ Gardner Johnson in the Lions' uniform. That'll be big. That'll be very big.
3: Yeah, especially in the secondary where communication is key. You know, like they have to be in sync with one another or else big plays are going to happen. We saw that happen at the beginning of last year and all through 2021. If we're being honest, there's just chunk plays to go going around everywhere. Um, going back to the point about the offense, like up until JMO gets back on the field and like starts seeing like a significant snap share again, I think you we're going to see like a wide receiver by committee. You know, it's really going to, it's going to be interesting to see how those snaps shape out. And like what kind of personnel packages, like maybe Ben Johnson gets really crazy and starts using like a ton of packages that have Gibbs Montgomery and Laporta in all at the same time. So, you know, the, the, the need for a receiver opposite the sun God kind of diminishes, you know, so there's ways around it and it's going to be Ben Johnson getting in his bag and proving like once again, why he's that dude, right? Like cementing his head coaching candidacy again, probably at the end of the year, if, if the Lions are cooking weeks one through six when they're down JMO, I mean, that man, that man probably can name his price at this point. They, they so.
1: have to cook weeks one through six, too. It's really not much of an option after
2: the short after the bat the poor starts they've had the past few years, too. True. But yeah, like to, to move it over to the defense a little bit, too. Like, obviously, they have a lot to prove, too. Right. We, we've oh, only probably even we've more. Only, we've only seen a little bit. Uh, in OTAs and OTAs and what they're capable of. And and you hope that translates to, to other teams, you know, other good offenses. Um, the reason, the reason why I'm, I guess a mil- little bit more worried about offensive regression though, is like that, that the offense is still going to carry the team. There's no doubt about that. It's just, the, it's just a question of how much the defense is going to improve. Cause I think we can all point at this defensive roster and say, wow, the defensive front is, is almost legit. Now, maybe some work to do on the interior, the linebacking crew, looks nothing like it did 3 years ago and you've put significant investment into that group but again a and rookie course, a rookie is being expected to lead it sure yeah um and then and then yeah your defensive backfield obviously way better on paper but you have questions about who's going to be available who's going to be healthy and how all those parts are going to play together um when they're when you're making so many changes to the starting lineup you mentioned Morgan the the communication that doesn't come naturally with just you Putting new parts together that takes time to develop, and so the next month is going to be critically important for that. So that when they move, play in Kansas City that Thursday night, hopefully they're hitting the ground running with that communication.
3: Yep, I agree. It's going to be they're going to have to, or else you know Mahomes and Reed are going to have their way with them. I've been watching that quarterback show on Netflix. Those two, <laughs> they're they're in pretty good sync. Um, yeah, I will say about the two rookies to Chris's point, like about Gibbs and uh, Jack Campbell specifically. Those are two positions that in, you know, history speaking, there are times when a running back or a linebacker hit the ground running in the league and play at a really high level right away. Just those are two positions that kind of translate pretty quickly. Right. Like if we're,
1: I don't know about linebacker, but I will say for running back. And I think it's something we've, I I've been like starting to write my notes for some of the roster re- previews, especially for uh, I think one of the ones I took was Kabinda, and like Look, one of the biggest news we've had the past week nationally has just been what's been going on with the running back position across the league, be it uh, Mixon completely restructure, like agreeing to completely restructure his contract just so he has a place to say he can collect a check versus Saquon Barkley, who's at loggerheads completely now with the Giants. Like This is a position that's completely in flux, and uh, I think it's sent shockwaves up and down the national uh, stage as far as what running backs are earning That's not completely relevant to Gibbs, at least as far as, because he's not up for a second contract, but it's relevant to Gibbs in that he's one of the newer generation of running backs that I think teams are valuing. The guy who can pass catch, the guy, and I think that gives him a bit of a leg up to go right into it. But in the case of Jack Campbell, we're talking about this guy getting the green dot at some point in the middle of the season. That's a lot to put on a, a young, uh, it, 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 as good as Campbell might be. This I think we've described him, Jeremy, as this needs to be the home run linebacker pick for the Lions front office. And that's a lot to put on a rookie right now. Now, granted, I think Anzalone like still played well enough that hopefully he continues that into this next season and he will be able to ease that transition in, but that's still a transition you need to, you know, he has to hit. We've seen linebacker, uh, linebacker hype die out. Like I know everyone loved Rodrigo last year, but, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez kind of came back down to earth near the end of the year too. And, you know, Rodrigo again is going to need to be, we're going to have to see what his quantity is coming into the season. That whole linebacker unit is probably the one I am most fascinated with coming here. I know it's, it's not as overhauled as, as like the defensive backs room, but that linebacker room is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can get into specific trading camp battles in in a bit, but the one thing I want to say about Jack Campbell is that he's entering a pretty, good situation because they have their Mike linebacker right now. Now Alex Anzalone who is either going to start the year that there or can very much be a good mentor to him to be that Jack or that Mike linebacker. And then you also have two guys that you're now comfortable starting in, in Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes. Like you don't have to rush Jack Campbell on the field just because he's a first round pick. I know there's going to be pressure from the outside. There's going to be pressure from the media. There's going to be pressure from the fans. But if you listen to what Kelvin Shepard and, and, and AG and what Dan Campbell all say is like, you got to go out there and earn that spot. And they they mean it, right. (laughs) They're going to give the, the, the job to a six round rookie if he earns it. And so Jack Campbell is going to have to go out there and earn it. And I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if, if he's not the day one starter, It, it would be surprising but not shocking because I I think they like everyone in that room. And, and I think one of the more interesting things from the Brad Holmes interview with, with Peter Schrager is he said, is is he said, like, we didn't go into that draft thinking we need a linebacker. We just saw Jack Campbell was that much of a franchise changing player. And so they were comfortable and maybe this is just talk, but they were comfortable going into the season with Alex Anzalone and basically running back back from last year. But you find a guy like Jack Campbell that you think is going to be this long-term Captain type, Mike linebacker, Green Dot, whatever you want to qualify, he is going to be a foundational player of this defense of this entire team. You don't need to rush that. You don't, because I think the worst thing you can do with a guy like that is rush him into it, see some early failures, and and it affects him mentally. Like he and and the coaching staff has even said with him, like he's a guy who is very very hard on himself. If you put him in position to fail early on. That could have some long term effects. So, I Jack Campbell is a fascinating one. I, I'm with you. I think I think the linebacking battle, both at the top of the depth chart and at the bottom, is fascinating, and we'll get a little bit more into that yeah. later. But that's, I guess yeah. my
1: yeah, I guess my point overall on rookies is just exactly what you brought up. Like rookies, as as exciting as they are, as exciting as Gibbs and Campbell is, like I guess my reservation, and it's my biggest reservation on the roster right now, is is just like you said. Sometimes rookies go out there and they get punched in the face in the first couple of weeks. And that that adjustment's hard. That's hard on anyone trying to learn that next level of playing in the NFL. And like camp can help you, but it means so much different when you're playing against not even in preseason, but in the full season when it's against those guys, those veterans going full speed. That you know most guys come over overcome it very well, but you know it it it, you will never know right up until it hits it. So I really want to see how they're doing so far in training camp, and just we'll just see how it goes. Let's take a quick break here when we come back on the other side. Where shall we go? We got some injury. Uh, We got to talk. I think Jeremy wants to talk a little bit about injuries at some point here. Uh, We're going to give some more general thoughts on the 90 men roster and talk about the deepest positions and some of the battles you want to see. And then later on the podcast, I asked Jeremy and Morgan to talk about the players at the top and, and bottom of the roster who need to be proving the most in training camp. Just because you're you're at the top of the roster and your position is set doesn't mean that like you you can't you don't need a good training camp. So we'll get into all that next. We do have three segments this week, which means it's even more exciting for me. We actually get like not that podcast has gotten small with just two segments, but I get to have breaks and I get to change up and add more topics. Costume change too. costume change. (laughs) What? I don't know. I don't think anyone's asked for the Luchador mask yet. But we're back there. We'll be right back on the Pride Detroit PODcast. Right to Detroit POD cast. Uh, sorry, we're kind of feeling out the audio still. So I might have been popping a little bit too much. Let me try to scroll back a little bit here. All right. Jeremy, let's talk about I, I hate doing injury too much, but we do need to worry about who's going to start on the NFI slash pup. Yeah, I believe, you know, Hooker feels like he's he, we, we've known for a while. He's probably going to start
2: there. Yeah, but well, yeah, there's there's a lot of players, right? And I think this is this is part of the excitement and, and maybe anxiety of, of the I don't know week, if I called excitement, but well, it, it's, it's finally dark. learning some of where these players stand in terms of their injuries. And there's a, there's a handful of them, right? There's there's a lot of important news that I think we're going to get over the next week. And, and the one thing that's important to before we even get into it to point out is that. A lot of players might start on the NFI or the PUP list, but they can come off at any time during training camp. Um, and and in order to be on the NFI or PUP list, you have to start there. You can't get into week two of training camp and someone gets injured and you can't be like, oh, let's just put him on the NFI PUP list. No, he goes he either when that happens, you either put him on IR immediately, which means his season is over or he's just there on the roster and you kind of got to wait for him. So a lot of times teams will, be conservative at the beginning of training camp and put more people on NFI PUP or or PUP um, just to be careful. Um, But you'll, you'll often see people come off in the first week. So if some of these guys show up on NFI PUP, no reason to to panic. Um, But, but we are going to get a look like if, if some of these guys that we're about to talk to aren't on NFI or PUP, that's really, really good news. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Let's just start with the most obvious one after Hooker. We understand what Hooker is going through right now. Obviously, he's not really going to be in play for a while anyway, for any reason, unless something really hits the bed with Goff. But I don't know where I'm at with Levi Onzerike, Jeremy. Like, yeah. it feels like, I mean, even if he starts an NFI pup, I we kind of expect him to. And that's, that's good that it won't be IR or anything. But, man, I feel like he's a guy who really needs training camp, who really needs to show us that he can – available and play. I know Ryan's not here to do his his famous catchphrase, but you know this is, it hasn't been a lot of availability from Anzorike lately, and I don't yeah. know if we're. I, I I've I've seen some stuff floating around on our Slack asking,
2: will he even play again for the Detroit Lions? It's it's a fair question to ask, and you're right. Like the even even taking away like if he if he does rebound and he's healthy enough to play. You're right in that he ha- he needs the training camp. Like, he has never had a full training camp in his first two years. He needs the playing time. Um, I know he had a lot of playing time, and it's easy to forget. He actually played in all 16 games his rookie season, but he wasn't healthy. He wasn't at his, his you know, what he's capable of. And, and yeah, like, the, the latest we've heard on Levi is that they hope uh, that what Dan Campbell said, he was, like, hopeful that Levi would be ready at some point in training camp. And so hopeful. at some point hopeful. in training camp at some point in training camp certainly seems like you're starting on pup. Like, I don't think there's much of a question that he's going to be on pup. Like you said, Hooker's going to be on NFI hooker's probably going to stay on NFI. I would imagine, but maybe, maybe we see something, but with Levi start on pup and then you, you cross your fingers for the next six weeks and say, maybe we get to see him. Maybe we don't. Um, but yeah, at this point I'm still operating under the assumption he's either going to miss the first six weeks of the season by staying on pup, or is it, it might be four now. Um, or or there's a, or if that doesn't happen, I, I, I think the most likely outcome is that we don't see him. There, there is a sliver of chance that we do see him in training camp, though, and that that would be something that'd be that'd be exciting. And, and I, th- I think given with how careful this team is with injuries, if he is out there practicing in full, that's a sign that, that that's like a huge sign. That's a really, really good sign, because I don't think they would risk anything with that guy's back, considering what he's already gone through.
3: Yeah, at this point I I think I said this on a pod uh one of the deep dish dives pod um whatever it. we get whatever we get from Levi at this point is just gravy man like it's uh yeah just set set your expectations low hope for the best and just keep it moving when it comes to Levi just because it's such an unknown at this point.
1: So who else Jeremy? So I uh, th- those two we can pretty much guarantee that, you know, I without a miracle that Onzarike won't start on pop, Um really trying not to pop my microphone here with saying that, but what about Ragnow? I know he's kind of had some troubles here going through, or you kind of expect him to maybe, I mean, we've talked enough about the linchpin of it, but it always seems like Ragnow has to deal with some lingering injuries, which happens a lot to offensive linemen here.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it, him and Vitae are, are kind of interesting situations because I think, the lines expect both those guys to be ready by week 1. I don't think there's any yes. question about that. The question is how careful are you with him with mm-hmm. those guys during training camp? Do they need tra- I mean those two guys are both vet, you know veterans that that know the deal that that are going to be ready for week 1 no matter if they're out there on the field or not for training camp. So do you take it easy with them? You took it easy with with both those guys in the spring, but at some point you do have to ramp them up. You you do have to get them physical contact so that you know they aren't you know, blindsided in week one. They're both professionals. They're not like going to look horrible out there if they don't get a ton of contact in training camp. But I wouldn't be surprised to see one or maybe even both those guys start on pup. But I don't expect them to last long because I don't know. Like the, I, I don't think one Ragnar wants to be off the. Like it's going to be Ragnar's the type of guy where you really have to hold him back. Um, and especially with how eager he's been to play healthy football. Um, he, he's he's going to want to be out there, but. They they might limit his time. They might maybe they don't put him on pup at all, and they just limit his snaps. Uh, I think that's also very much a possibility. But I think it's it'll be interesting to see. And and I think if if one or both of those guys starts on pup, people are going to ask questions and start panicking. But again, it's just a conservative thing to do. It's not something that means they're going to miss a long time. It it it's just it, it would go along with what they do with some of these injuries, which is just take yeah. the very conservative route.
1: I think I think one that they can probably safely slow walk is probably Tracy Walker as well. I know it sounds like he's almost 100 percent already. Yeah. Like he was on activities. He was on the field for activities back in May. But Achilles is a very tough injury to come back from. We've talked about this in the past and it feels like, you know, he's had he's had he's had almost a full year at this point. He broke I think he tore it in like week three. Again, if he's already doing activities back in May, that, that looks good. But I don't think they need to rush him back. I don't think he'll start on Pup, but I do think that it's uh, we're not going to see a ton of snaps for Tracy Walker here for the first, first week or so of training camp, I would imagine.
3: For sure. And then what about Manny Mosley? Like how long yep. until I'm anxious to see when he can get on the field, because I do think he's going to end up being the starter opposite uh, Cam Sutton. Um, it's just going to be a matter of like, when can he get out there? And then like we talked about earlier, when can he start like gelling with Cam Sutton and Kirby and Tracy when Tracy's out there? Cause that's like, we talked about almost like an offensive line, a secondary is a, sum of its parts, right? Like it needs to, like it it needs to gel together and get things, get things right. Sure. But at the
1: same time, I also think both those, both those positions for DBs is also just, we've got a lot on the roster right now that they can work through other guys to see what's fitting and what's not working, that they don't need to rush Mosley and they don't need to rush Walker.
2: Right. Mosley is going to be the, I think maybe one of the more interesting ones because of the people that we've named short of Hendon hooker and Levi owns he was the furthest away in spring. He was a guy that was not, didn't look that close. Like he was getting better and he was definitely going through mental reps, but he did not look physically ready. He had a big brace on. And so I wouldn't be, I'd, I'd actually be surprised if Emmanuel Mosley is ready to go day one. Um, but but Morgan's right. Like he needs that time. He's going to be in a training camp battle with Jerry Jacobs. He's not going to be handed that starting position on the outside. So the more he can play in training camp, the more he can play in the preseason, the better case he can make for himself. And and maybe maybe they're fine with Jerry Jacobs being the starter for for weeks, one, two, three, four, whatever it is. Um, but you're also paying Emmanuel Mosley a significant amount of money Quite and, a lot uh, of money. Yes. And I, I think they the expectation from them is is that he will be a starter. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly he makes it onto the field. So, looking through the rest of the roster right now, let's talk about these
1: deep—the probably the deepest positions. We talked a little bit right there about DBs. Like, what is the most important to sort out on this roster right now, early in training camp? Like, I mean, the one that sticks out to me right away is wide receiver, but I also don't think it's that important to sort out right now because A, I think we know who the top guys are, yeah. But B, I think there's also just other positions that I would rather keep. A sharper eye on than wide receiver like at some point we will have to cross that bridge whether or not someone like Tom Kennedy and Trinity Benson are still on this roster or not but I think to what we talked about on injuries and how we talked in the first break about I mean in the first segment about linebackers I almost want to say between linebackers and defensive backs that seems to be where I would really focus right now
2: yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking starting level talent and who's going to be out there in week one, I think linebackers is, is like maybe the most important, most interesting camp battle. And I don't need to rehash everything we said in the first segment, but I I, I do want to reiterate, like if, if Jack Campbell isn't ready, they're, they're not going to start that guy and they're going to be perfectly okay with that. Um, I, I would probably talk about the defensive line next. And again, you, like you said, you probably know the top guys in Aiden Hutchinson, you know, in um John Kaminsky, Josh Pascal, like Charles Harris, Romeo car, all those guys are going to make the team. But I I think it's going to be fascinating how big of a role each of those guys are going to have, because they're kind of stacked in in terms of depth. Maybe they don't have a lot of like blue chip guys outside of Aiden Hutchinson, but like how much is James Houston going to play? How much is, is Charles Harris going to play? How much is Romeo going to play? How much is Josh Pascal going to play? Like, all these guys, I think they have a lot of high hopes for. They they wouldn't have Charles Harris and Romeo O'quara take pay cuts if they didn't still want them around. They wouldn't draft Josh Pascal as highly as they did if they don't want him to have a big role. And given how great James Houston was towards the end of the season, you can't take his role out too much. And then where does that leave a guy like Julian Aquara? I don't know. Like it's to me, it's it's a really, really deep group. But again, like you only have so many snaps to go around. How are you going to get these guys out there? And I think that's where my, like it, it's not even necessarily about camp battles. It's more about like position, positional role, rotational role, who's in what subsets and things like that. And so I, I, I'm really fascinated to see how that edge group goes out and then how they perform against a pretty darn good offensive line.
3: Yeah. You're going to have a lot of battles on the defensive line in general for snap shares. You nailed it, Jeremy, like you're going to have, people competing for uh, snaps at the nose and Broderick Martin and bugs. Like we're going to see what Martin can do really quickly against if Frank's out there against one of the best centers in football Um, and two really good guards, hopefully too. knock on wood. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, you're going to have, like you said, you nailed it. There's a ton of people and there's positional flexibility too. So it's going to be interesting how they're going to roll out like different alignments, like what's going to be their, first down alignment against like, you know, they're just their base defense. Who's going to be playing opposite of a Uh There's a lot to be answered. Like who's going to be the second, who's going to get the second most snaps on the outside besides
2: Hutch. Like, could we, could we answer that right now? Like if you had to guess. Probably Kaminsky, but I mean, it could, it could be, it could be right. him. It could be Charles Harris. It could be Romeo Quar I think it could be any of those three guys.
3: Right. Like Kaminsky could really eat at the three tech too. Cause we know he yep. can, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. I'm in, like intrigued to see how it's going to shake out with everybody.
1: On the offense, besides wide receiver, well, you know what? Let's talk about wide receiver. Why don't we like, because sure. I feel like it's always about the shadow of Jameson Williams, who I don't even think is really that important to the conversation here, but like even taking him out of the equation, and this is maybe something we'll, I want to save a little bit for, for bottom of the roster, because I, I feel like. Past Williams, Saint Brown, Marvin Jones, it starts to really open up. I don't even think you know Khalif Raymond is completely safe on it. I mean, he's he's performed very well, but like wide receiver four probably on there competing in the same role as someone like Marvin Jones Jr. So I I don't I don't know. I I think this could be a very surprising. And again, there there's going to be some leeway in that Williams is going to be out. You're going to have a roster spot available, but. Then at some point, you're you're going to be picking up this guy knowing that at some point, hey, we might have to push someone off to put Jamison Williams back on. And at that point, who do you keep? Do you keep someone like Antoine Green, who, you know, you can probably turn around and stash on the practice squad? Or are you picking up someone who might be a little more veteran and you won't
2: mind cutting later on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the top four are set outside of, you know, not even including Jamison. I, I think Khalif is in. I mean. Granted, it, it was as a punt returner, but he was an all pro last year. He's a second team all pro and and actually flashed a little bit of like deep threat. Right. He had the big catch in, in the Packers right. game finale. I think they like him a ton. Um, So I think he's he's solid. But but beyond that, you're right. Like that wide receiver like Josh five Reynolds, spot. Like, what do you do with him? You, you got I mean, you got to keep Josh Reynolds. So yeah, it's I'm on around Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, Khalifa Raymond. Those four are set. But okay. the question is, with no Jameson, are you? You're definitely keeping a wide receiver five. Who is that? Are you keeping a wide receiver six? And you have to imagine Antoine Green is probably the leader out of the clubhouse just because you drafted him. But I mean, we we know this this franchise absolutely loves Tom Kennedy, right? We know he and, and he can ball when when given the opportunities mm-hmm. in the regular season, he's made some plays. And I don't think just because they drafted Antoine
1: Green gives him any security considering it was just a seventh round pick at the end of sure. the day, too. I think I think he went under drafted for what he is, but Like, I'm not going to be shocked if Antoine Green can't
2: make a 53-man roster here either. No question. I mean, the Lions roster has gotten to a point where a sixth and seventh round pick is no longer guaranteed to make the roster, 100%. Um, But at the same time, Brad Holmes is pretty good drafting on on day three, too. So maybe he found someone in Antoine Green. And I don't. we haven't even talked about Chase Coda or some of these guys near the bottom of this, too. right? Right. I, I just I'm not in love with their depth beyond that. And and I mean, how many people are in love with your wide receiver six and sevens? Right. But like, I, I think Trinity, but I think we're, we're about to be finally done with the Trinity Benson experiment. No, no offense to the man. Um, but Maurice Alexander is a guy that that I think perpetually gets a little bit overlooked. And, and part of the reason why I think he has a shot to make this roster is special teams. Right. It's a it's a reason why they cut Tom Kennedy last year. Guy can do special teams. Maurice Alexander can, has done well as a kick returner in the past. And that's a role that is up for grabs with Justin Jackson, not currently on the roster. So um, Maurice Alexander, I, I, I've i always been trying to like, hey, don't forget about this guy. Um, I still have him on the outside looking in because I think Antoine Green is, is, is good enough to be that wide receiver five. But again, maybe there's a wide receiver six in this conversation that, that drops off the roster once Jameson comes back.
3: Yeah, there's going to be like, I think a lot of people are concerned that there's not a lot of blue chip talent, at you know, receiver outside of Amon Ra and in theory, JMO. Uh, but uh, like sort of like we always talk about running back by committee, this receiver, I think it's going to be like we talked about earlier, receiver by committee a little bit on the outside opposite St. Brown and at the X um, between Marvin and J. Ray, Josh Reynolds and maybe Antoine green really starts cooking and camping starts getting some snaps. Who knows? You know, if there's uh we'll see, it's going to be an interesting weeks, one through six.
1: Any but final. I love, yeah.
3: Khalif. I love Khalif. I wanted to put that in there too. Like I think <laughs> I'm, I like Khalif Raymond, but yeah. 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 yeah.
1: I think we should take another quick break here and save some extra time for the final segment, because we're going to be looking at players who need to prove the most. And this is what, this was like the first thing to my mind when I was talking to Jeremy about how are we going to do this? Because I think, even if you're safe, it doesn't mean that training camp means you don't have to prove a lot. Right. Both to the coaches and to us in the media here, as we kind of watch this team and see how it develops. Cause like it or not, the, the expectations on this team are almost outstretched. Sometimes this is still a team that is really growing. Jeremy, we've talked about it, but there's no stopping the hype that this is for the division right now. And I think it's causing some problems with fans who also think this is the all in year. It's hard to parse. That's hard to parse the two. But it also means that as we look at these players, who's going to lead? Who's going to rise up to those challenges? I, the Tiger. And back again on the Pride of Detroit PODcast, and we got one more thing to talk about for our training camp preview. Technically two things, but it's the same topic, and it's about players who who are on the roster who need to prove the most at training camp. We have it divided up between players at the top of the roster who need to prove the most and players at the bottom of the roster who need to prove the most. I think I want to start at the top just because I think there is this idea that Even though you're at the top of the roster, we know who you are, known commodity, this, that. And the other thing, I don't know about that so much. Sometimes you do need to see stuff out of guys in training camp, especially if we're trying to take a full picture of what the season is coming up here. We have a few names to go off of. I I know we're not going to have him for another six games, Jeremy, but I feel like Jamison Williams is one of those names that just sticks out. Right away, we were talking a little bit about him during a break about the camp, and I think the vibes around him are good. I think there's a good plan in place for him, and we'll let Morgan kind of elucidate on that because I know he was at the uh, the training camp as well, and you you Jeremy have talked with his trainer, but we're going on a while. We're going to have a while before we actually see Jamison Williams. And what he can do on the field and what we saw last year was very limited and it's caused some concern in certain circles. I think that's a little premature, but I also can understand where the concern is coming from at the same time. And I don't think no amount of Kool-Aid should completely dampen that we like there is still plenty for J-Mo to do. And while he's serving his suspension, he can still, you know, do some stuff at training camp as well for us.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, this is this is his first real opportunity to get some sort of rapport with Jared Goff, right? Like he got some of that during the season. Obviously, they practiced during the season when he came off uh, the the NFI and all that. But this is this is huge for him. This is his first training camp to go through. This is his first opportunity, he, he, you know, and and I think one of the interesting things about this training camp is I'm, I'm curious as how the lines are going to use him. Are they going to use this opportunity for six weeks? Let's get you in 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 rhythm with, with Jared Goff, or are you kind of focusing more on like, no, we need to be ready to be without him. And, and let's, let's run Jameson with, with the twos so that we're ready. We have Marvin Jones ready. We have Khalif Raymond ready. We have, you know, Josh Reynolds and all those guys ready for the roles that they're going to play in the first month and a half of the season. It's, it's an interesting balance and I'm sure it'll be a little bit of both. It's not going to be only first team and only second team with Jamo, but like he's, he's got a lot, he's got, a lot on his shoulders already for being a first round draft pick, but now it's also about how he responds to the first real adversity of his NFL career. How is he going to respond to a bunch of critics who are, you know, every single drop pass that someone, you know, that there's a, there's a person at training camp that watches, like how is he going to respond to that? Every moment that, that something doesn't go right, that he's, you know, the passes behind him or he's, making a, a wrong cut, that, that, all that sort of thing or everything's under a microscope with this kid now. And so that's, that's its own challenge rather than just being a good football player. It's it's being under the most being under the microscope. It's it's handling a ton of adversity, this young in his career, it's a lot to take on. And so a lot of that, you know, no matter what he does over the next six weeks, nothing is going to like, it's not going to be like, well, I guess he was a bust or yep. Well, I guess he was a real deal. He has to prove that once we're, we're talking real football games, but he starts the narrative really for the first time this week. Like this is when he gets his first opportunity to be like, no, this is what I'm about. Not everything else that everyone else is talking about. I think it changes
1: how much fans have patience for him. Yes, absolutely.
3: Yeah. And like, he's going to have to get off to a hard start, but like, we're also going to have to remember that this is, really his rookie year if we're going to like you know what i mean like he's yeah. getting he's and even this training camp's going to be a little off for him because he's not going to be getting all the first team reps i think as he you know would if he were not suspended for the six first six weeks of the season so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how he responds to not getting 100 of the first team snap share and in, in practice uh we'll see what their thought process is with that i think jeremy made a great point like Do you, I don't know. You you also factor in like Marvin Jones and like Josh Reynolds are pros. Like maybe they don't need as many snaps to get in rhythm with golf, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting.
1: I also don't think Marvin Jones has fallen off as much as people wanted him to. Like I took a lot, look, at a lot of his snap counts. Like he, he lost a lot of his time last year with the Jaguars to newer, newer weapons they were bringing in, but it was mostly because they just stopped using him in the slot. Like Marvin Jones, I, I, I don't know, like it's hard to keep doing this in your thirties, but he was just, he was still producing at a high level last year as well. So I, I, I think that's, yeah, to your point, I just don't think this is clear cut for that. Jeremy, I wanted to ask about the linebackers. We kind of touched on as we were going, kind of going through the amount of pressure that's on rookies and indeed Jack Campbell is the one at the top of the roster who I think needs to prove the most in this training camp right now, green dot or not.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, he, of all the lines draft picks, uh, especially the early ones, he's the one that I still have the most questions about um, because like you said, there, there's a lot of pressure on this guy to be the dude, the guy, the the center of your defense, the, the main communicator and guy who, who's never going to leave the field, right? Like on defense, you don't have a ton of guys like that, that, that are going to be a hundred percent of the snap guys. And Jack Campbell might not be that guy right away, but, Training camp is really the first opportunity a linebacker has to to flash, right? Like we saw it right away with Malcolm Rodriguez last year. We knew like, oh, that's why they drafted that guy. Oh, that's why they've been talking this guy up as a guy that could legitimately start. We saw it right away. And so I'm hoping we see at least that much flash from Jack Campbell because like pads are on now, dude. Like now you can start hitting people. Now you can start shedding tackles. Now you can start dropping into coverage and popping dudes that cross over the middle of the field. I'm not saying I need to see that right away, but I at least need to see the flashes of it right away. It doesn't need to be consistent. It won't be consistent. He's a, he's a rookie taking on a very serious role on this defense. Um, That'll take time, but, I need to see some of those flashes, some of those instincts, because I think some of that. It, it, there are some questions about his game. There are some questions about whether he can truly be the sideline to sideline guy at two hundred and fifty. Even though you know he, he answered some of those questions at the combine, I think seeing it on the field in plays is, is a whole different thing. And uh, yeah, I think there's a big and and considering all the, the the talking up that they've done with Derek Barnes and the fact that he was repping with the first teams in, in OTAs. There's legitimacy to the fact that that they think if 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 Jack Campbell isn't ready, they're they're not gonna start him. And that's again, it's fine. It's not a big deal, but let me let me at least see the flashes. You you're 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 the 18th overall pick. You're the only linebacker in this class that was taken in the first or second round. Show me why. I think a
3: lot of the like Campbell detractors in the draft process and even after the Lions selected him was he doesn't really show on tape the way he tested physically. So if he can start, you know, flashing a little bit more like, Oh, okay. You're that freaky. Like, what, what is it like ninth out of like over 2,600 linebackers, according to Kent Lee Platy's, uh, Raz score. So yeah, show us that a little bit more flash, you know, start at the mic. And I think he'll, he'll, uh, you know, maintain like what his expectations, because I do think he's going to be a nice player is another sneaky one. I was thinking about this, Jeremy, Chris, uh, Aleem McNeil. Yeah. You like, it's either like this year, I feel like there are other parts around him, right? Like this is the year he's either going to, going to take the next step and like be a consistent like dude, or if he's just going to be, you know, a guy that's sometimes a dude once in a while.
1: You know, it's hard can. because I just don't feel like there's because on one hand, I just maybe I don't associate him at the top of the roster just because no one from defensive tackle has really been standing out from that pack. But that just puts the pressure on defensive tackle like McNeil to stand yeah. out. I just don't know if he's the one who can like I, I I, guess I'm not discounting the possibility he might get lapped by some other guy right now. Like it would be outside the realm of possibility, but I'm not going to put it at a zero percent chance. He's not proven himself to be the the the, the bonafide defensive tackle number one on the roster right now
2: but yeah, I, I, think, I, oh, I think well i think that's what he needs to prove right like mm-hmm. we've this is year two of this is the breakout season for aleem like it didn't happen last year it happened a little bit towards the end of the season and listen i i think what what's on aleem this year is for him to live up to all the hype that i'm guilty of doing some of the media is guilty of doing it's you know, he's he's changed mentally since the the defensive meeting at the middle of last season. He's changed physically. He's gone out and, and made himself leaner. We we're seeing the pictures of him punching bags uh, during the offseason and he looks stronger. He looks faster. He looks all that sort of stuff. None of that means jack squat if you can't do it on the field. And and Chris, we we go through this every year. The, the best shape in your life guy like that is the Lee McNeil story. He is that guy this year. So prove that it's real. Prove that you can make. A jump and, and get yourself into the conversation of guys like Dexter Lawrence and Quentin Williams and I Oliver. He's not there yet. And and maybe I don't his ceiling think, isn't I don't even think he's that. Guy. That's, that's not
1: his ceiling, unfortunately. Maybe it is,
2: maybe it isn't. But I think I think there's a sub portion of fans that think like he could make that jump. And I'm gonna I'm gonna work on a piece maybe this week, maybe next week, detailing like year three is about the time when some of these guys did it. Some some did it right away. Like your Aaron Donald's, you knew. Year one, this dude is a monster. Some it took until about year two, year three, some, some even year four to make that breakout season. And so he's got an opportunity if this is it. And, and maybe this, and like you said, like the fact that that is not a deep defensive tackle room, it's now on a lean to prove that there's a reason why they didn't have to invest that highly in that room. He's the reason. And, and you never want to put all your eggs in one dude's basket like that. But at the same time, I, I think this, this coaching staff has very high hopes for Aleem and, and maybe it isn't Dexter Lawrence and, 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 and the like, but may, it, it's, it's, it's a small step down, I think in terms of expectations for him. So I think that's, that's a really good pick Morgan. I think, I think Jeremy makes
3: a- an excellent point too. Just, I was like going to say the coaching staff definitely thinks like he has the potential and the likelihood to be that kind of guy because yeah.
1: I think moving to the bottom of the roster, there's a lot of names down here and maybe like we, we touched a little on a little on the wide receivers. If I gave you three names between Kennedy Benson and green, which one has to prove the most of those three, Jeremy?
2: I mean, they're, they're fighting for the same spot. So no, I know like they, they all are. have to, they have to prove the exact same amount. I don't know. Like, I I guess maybe the, the pressure isn't as much on Antoine green. Cause he's, it's his first year. Yeah. He'll be able to but, go back to the practice squad. Same. I think with like
1: Tom Kennedy, if they don't make it, although, at this point in his career, Tom, it's, it's getting a little up there for Tom Kennedy to stop bouncing between that and the practice squad. Sure. Like, I, I guess like
2: he, I, I Trinity Benson, I guess, but here's my, my expectations are lo- so low for Trinity Benson that I don't know how much he can do to prove me wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe he has it in him. maybe, maybe it took him all this time to get healthy and get right. And, and now he's going to prove why the seventh round trade for him two years ago was, was worth it. But I just have so little expectation for Trinity Benson. I'm just like, Who's next? Give me I, someone else.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the guy I've got the lowest expectations for, and yet I really want to see what he can do in camp is Logan Stenberg. I'm not sure what to do at this point. And I feel like every time I've watched Logan, my my stock on him just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And the Lions have opened up that guard room quite a bit. Uh, Coyote Owosaka, I think, is probably competing for that same, kind of that same stratosphere with him. But the rest it's, the rest of the guard what's that
2: i, I was that, that guard room's tough it's, it's tough to crack now like you, yeah you like have,
1: you got glasgow you got soresdale who they've right. invested draft capital into they brought in pierce bacher and So like top to bottom i just don't know where stenberg sits unless he can show why he's about as valuable as someone like soresdale
2: yeah i mean they've tried this dude at center and it hasn't worked they've tried him at guard he, he was just short of a disaster when, when he had to play last year. And so definitely, definitely a guy where it seems like last chance, dude, we're we're still going to try to get you at at center. And like, listen, if he can show up as a center, maybe that's the the spot for him. Maybe he, he proves himself as a guard center rotational guy. And that would put him over a guy like Brad Cecil would put him over a guy like Ross Pierce, would put him side by side with a guy like Graham Glasgow, who, if you know, he's, he's 30s on a one-year deal. If, if Logan can somehow get to anywhere close to Graham, maybe you can be like, all right, let's keep him for this year. And he'll be that backup center guard rotational guy next year. I I mean, the problem is I just, I haven't seen any, anything. No, close we've to seen
1: many years be. of of Stenberg and just nothing to really show for it.
2: Yeah. It comes from that Kentucky
3: offense, man, where they just lean on people and bully people. I just feel like the, that guard, that game, I forget when it was, when he started a guard, but it was so, it was scary. I remember yeah. watching, I was like, oh my God, get him out of there. And thank God Hank Fraley was like, we got to make a change, buddy. You know, yeah. not to be disrespectful, but good Lord. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, I think he's might be cooked just because of the offensive line depth, like offensive line depth on in the NFL is tough to come by and the Lions actually have it right now, like some teams would be really happy with having a Matt Nelson on their roster, to be honest with you. Some teams don't have two good tackles, let alone two yeah. good tackles and a decent swing tackle. So True. another one that might be in trouble, not in trouble, but like maybe closer than they, than, I don't know, than the staff and want to, want to admit, but like iffy he, if I I think he's going to be, it's not a shoe in this year as it like, you know, has, like it's been years past.
2: Yeah. The, the safety position is, is a weird one because there's not, it's not a ton of depth if you're just talking pure safeties, right? It's Tracy Walker, it's Kirby Joseph, then it's Iffy, Brady Breeze, and Brandon Joseph, and that's it. Yep. But you also kind of have to have guys like CJ Gardner Johnson and Brian Branch be part of that conversation. And when you start stacking them up, then you're like, okay, like maybe maybe if he isn't guaranteed, and you want it, you want to like let the guy have a shot right he, he transferred to safety last year, had to deal with a lot of injuries, had to deal with learning the position. now he's had a full off season to learn it. Now he feels a little bit more confident and he's healthy. maybe he can he can be that solid backup, maybe he can push for something more because I think another guy sticking with the safety position with a lot of pressure on him, and he's at the top of the depth chart is Tracy Walker because listen, like he's a guy that I think we all know is a talented football player, but has he put it all together in one season yet? I don't think he has. And listen, he's coming up on, on next year's the last year on his deal. And he's costing a heck of a lot of money. He's going to have to prove his keep here. He's not, he's obviously not going to get cut this year, but the man has to show up. And that's, it's a tough situation to to put him in because he's coming off an Achilles injury. We talked about it a, in the second segment. Like this is a guy who might not be fully ready in week one of, of training camp. And to expect a guy coming off a a serious injury like that to hit the ground running and look like his, you know, look like he's playing at a hundred percent of his potential in the first year off that serious injury is like that doesn't happen with a lot of players. I I would say a, a wide majority of people don't look like themselves in that first year. Yet this is a very pivotal year for him, and you know it, you're you're not going to make or break your season in training camp, but. You sure hope that you're going to see some of the things that 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 this coaching staff saw in Tracy Walker enough to give him that big contract and call him the future of the secondary. So I think he's a guy with a lot of pressure with him. I, I think if he is is right there too.
1: one last one from me, and I just I, I don't know where I'm really with him right now. But Julian O'Quara. This is year four. We haven't had a full season, healthy season from him. Most snaps he played defensively was in week two last year against the uh, against the commanders. It is it, and missed the back half of the, the back quarter of the season. I don't know what to do with him, especially that it seems like every year with the Detroit Lions, the edge rusher rooms gets more and more and more crowded, especially at defensive end. It's hard to see how he's going to stand out as guys like even someone like James Houston proves himself last year or pascal certainly, certainly, like down the depth as it goes, you talk about the guard. I mean, you talk about the offensive line position being deep. That edge position just becomes more and more deep with each passing year. And I look at and I look and I'm like, I don't see the room I can make for him on this roster right now. I don't. And I don't know what to really do with it, especially with a guy who is just, again, has yet to play a single single healthy season and is a unrestricted free agent next year coming off of a rookie contract that just feels like unless he really puts it together this year, might be one of his only big contracts he gets.
3: Yeah. Similar to similar to iffy Julian Aquara just needs to stay healthy, particularly through training camp, right? Like they got to stay healthy. They, they both miss a lot of time and they're both into it's like a hot of a battle to, to miss a bunch of time during training camp. So like the worst thing for Julian last year was James Houston going crazy. Really? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. cause that was Julian's like stand up, beat a tackle off the edge on third on an obvious passing downs. And now it's like, can you play in space a little bit more, Julian? Can you do a little of this? Can you do a little of that? Can you play special teams? So yeah, definitely. And uh, we there. were
1: doing our roster rankings. I knew Julian would be like low down on the on the list for our full rankings. I just wasn't expecting him to be as low as it is. And like, as I mean, even someone like say, Pascal or even J- uh, John Kaminsky, way higher up than we would have a guy like Julian Okora right now. It just doesn't bode well for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, to me, there's no question that he's edge seven right now behind Aiden Kaminsky, Romeo, Charles Harris, James Houston, Josh Pascal. All those guys are, I would say, solidly ahead of him. And and I think Morgan nailed it. Like when you drafted Julian O'quar, the whole thing was this guy can pass rush. We're just he, it's going to take a while for him to develop into a full edge guy. Well, now that that is James Houston. That is that Sam linebacker. Role, and guess what? <laughs> He actually proved it at the NFL level. We never got it out of Julian. We never saw the pass rush potential that we were like, oh, well, he has that. Let's let's wait and see him develop his full game, be a better run defender, drop in coverage. Like, I think Julian is maybe a little bit more polished at that stuff now. Like he probably is a better run defender than than James Houston. He can probably drop into coverage a little bit better. But at the same time, James Houston was a linebacker at Florida. Like he knows how to do that stuff too. And so yep, is, he's there, is there is Is there even a scenario at all where you would rather have Julian O'Quara out there than James Houston? No, I mean, even looking at someone like like even
1: looking at someone like John Kaminsky, like, what's the joke, Jeremy, that we never talked about John Kaminsky? I did (laughs)
3: not Like, like
1: there's just there's there's so many other guys who have provided the production. I think we always sat around waiting for Julian O'Quara to produce.
3: Right. Julian has a lot of those things, like you know, maybe that he's better at than James Houston right now. But James Houston has something that Julian doesn't, and it's that little Von Miller ghost rush, yeah. skip to my Lou move he hits on tackles that just leaves them looking stupid.
2: And, and I'm sorry, yeah. that is more valuable than anything all than day. Anything Julian can do
3: all day, man, because it gets you know why? Because it gets the offense off the field. That's on third down. And it's here huge, we go. Huh? Yeah, man, yep. I I can't wait to. I hope he's healthy all year this year, and they can. Aaron Glenn can get saucy with how he employs him. Cause man, I was, there was a clip on Twitter uh, just recently and it was like blocking James Houston looks fun. And it was just a highlight reel of all his little ghost moves that he hit on tackles. And I was like, Oh, this is just, just this respect.
1: This speaks poorly for Julian Okwara. If we're, if we're having the conversation, it just immediately turns to James Houston is fun. Like we it's. Uh, it's hmm. Yeah.
3: See, exactly. It's tough out here. Yeah. Any loss better.
1: Last note, and let's make it quick to just wrap up here. But, like, I'm, I've been trying to figure out running the depth on running back, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the Lions like Jermar Jefferson. And I think we, we've talked about it before that we don't think Craig Reynolds is a lock and we think that they do like Jermar Jefferson. But, man, I would hope he proves it in this training camp. I would hope they prove why they have this faith in him.
2: Yeah. Third, third year, man. It's time to prove it. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, Dan Campbell even said last year, like, they wanted, they, they wanted the opportunity to to get Jamar into the lineup and and it just never happened. And listen, I, I like Craig Reynolds a lot. I think he's, I think he's kind of the, the Jack of all trades master, of none kind of player where he can do a lot of things, include play special teams. But I think the lines are looking for a little bit more juice from that RB3 role, because guess what? The running back position is is a tough one. One of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs is going to get injured at some point this season. And they're going to have to rely on that RB3 role to, to take a significant amount of, of carries. And so they want someone that 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 can be dynamic, and, and Jamar Jefferson, I think, is a guy that that is capable of that. It, he has some of the physical tools to do that. He just has to put it all together. And you know, having a new running backs coach in the room seems like it's kind of an interesting factor. You don't really know who's who that's going to play in favor of. Is it is it going to be him? Is it going to be Mohamed Ibrahim, who is a guy that was drafted under this new, or not drafted but selected under this new running backs coach, or? is he going to fall in love with Jamar too? Is, or Greg Bell, I was, yeah, yeah.
1: was going to bring up Ibrahim. Like there there's, there's a good, I mean, UDFA aside, still a very good reason. He could be RB three. No reason why he couldn't be that. He couldn't beat out no. Jamar and Craig Reynolds.
2: Yeah. It's, it's going to be a battle. And a, I think we talk about the RB three battle a lot and some of it is overblown because it's you RB3. already know who RB one and your RB two is. But like I said, like it's a, it's a high injury position. So these, whoever wins that job is, it's not like, okay, well, will enjoy sitting on the bench and only doing special teams all season. No, he'll play some, they'll play some offense.
3: Yeah. You can like th- pencil in your running back three to at least get like a handful of snaps, probably every game, you know, Damn. like maybe Montgomery gets dinged up or. Gibbs is working in the slot a ton and you just don't want to take him out of there. Cause he's cooking, whoever is guarding, you know, there's just so many things that could go on. So yeah, yeah I mean, I completely plus, agree.
2: the lines are going to be up like 30 points in most fourth quarters. So why not get your RB three somewhere? Oh, okay. Exactly. RB four, RB four. Flip side <laughs> of this conversation
1: too. Like I didn't write him down just because I think Jermar Jefferson's more interesting, but I almost feel like we've, I'm not completely closing the casket on Craig Reynolds, but I do feel like the, the chance for him to make the roster gets slim, more and more slim by the day.
2: Well, I, I think he the, the one thing working in his favor is that he has most proof of concept. Like he's gone out there for the last two years and, and done his thing like he's been good. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been horrible. He's been good. Um, the one thing that he doesn't have working in his favor is age. He's 27. Sure. And
1: I mean, you remember hard knocks like there. There was a debate whether or not to to release Craig Reynolds on hard knocks.
2: Yeah. I mean, Godwin Iguabuke is is him last year. Like we thought Godwin was pretty safe. He played great special teams. He was doing everything the right way. And he kind of, it was kind of a surprising cut for him. And I think it was part of it is they wanted to get younger. Part of it is they, you know, everything is so close when you come to RB3, too. So, um, yeah, it's anyone's game. And that's why we've been talking about it so much.
3: To me, man, like Craig Reynolds is fine. He's like a one cut, no nonsense runner. Yep. And this isn't meant as a slight, but like he's going to get you the Jamal Williams yards, you know, like if the if the Lions elite offensive line blocks a play for seven yards, he's going to get you seven and a half or eight. Right. You know, he's probably not going to be a game breaker, which is what we saw from Jamar. And I think that's why the coaching staff is a little higher on him. Cause he's got a little more wiggle, a little more juice and space, or at least he did pre-injury. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you.
1: We got to get out of here. We're ready for training camp. We'll probably have some stuff to talk about by next time, Jeremy, maybe. Sure. I'll have a couple maybe practices to talk about. We'll have oh, plenty Sunday? to talk about for are sure. We, yeah. Are we mm-hmm.
2: going Sunday or Monday next week? No, 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 Monday, Monday. Monday. Okay, I'm not yeah, off. Well, I'm not off my evenings yet for my we'll other have, job. We'll have theoretically, you know, I can't, I can't release the Lions' training camp schedule in full. But theoretically, we'll have two, two practices under
1: theoretically, theoretically. All right, we got plenty more coming up this week. We'll have a midweek mailbag. Is there? If if Jeremy has a first bite, we will have a first bite. If not, I might release the third deep dish dive on sports Twitter before uh, before, you know, that 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 thing kind of expires in the fridge, as it were. And then me and Morgan and Hamza will have to find a date to record more of those because I clearly didn't make enough.
3: I like the concept, though. We just got to make some more. We'll come up with some topics. I'll do some brainstorming. Yeah, some
1: brainstorming for sure. We, we've got, we've got plenty to do. We've got our roster preview series going on. I know I owe Jeremy a few of them coming up here and I intend to. And uh,
2: we also, well, we our, got our training camp battle still going on. We're good. We got bubble watch coming back. If if people know what our bubble watch is uh, we, we, we talk about all the bubble players and whether we think they're going to make the roster or not. And then Eric and I have a 53 man roster coming up as well from the website. So. Mm -hmm. and twitter spaces will maybe make a return this week that does not that
1: doesn't sound confident (laughs) it's not not i feel like we've killed another service we'll see we'll see No, elmo killed another service oh elmo (laughs) did sure uh next next is going to be the discord call-in show and how dare if you kill my server i will come i will drive all the way to detroit he better not he's out of money man
2: Ooh, and maybe 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 our our first bite will be an inside the den
3: review
1: re-
2: review watch party. Are we still are we actually going to get inside party. the den?
3: We can't watch. party. Uh, I mean, it,
1: no, but I mean, like, you yeah, know, our it's, reactions it's, for I, I guess I should right. say after a,
2: a, 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 let me rephrase that inside the den after show. Yeah, uh, maybe something like that. If we get it this week, it, it is mid mid July. It's not going to be. It's it's soon going to be late July. Yeah, so. leave,
1: leave the Lions' Twitter account guy um alone though. we just, just trying to say,
3: enjoy their vacation and just getting a just getting
1: constant inside the den. Chirped. But uh, no, we'll Listen. see. We'll see if Jeremy has to play the role of uh, Chris Hardwick here later this week. Either way, <laughs> this is we're we're getting back to full time again. So be ready for all of that. Jeremy Reisman on Twitter at Detroit on Morgan at M's three one three myself at Chris Perfett we will see you star side.